Hello everyone, my name is John and welcome to episode 8 of the Tech Leader Pro podcast. Today I'm going to discuss with you why you should train your team to present solutions and not problems and to make that a habit part of your cultural expectation. Before I begin I would like to briefly mention our sponsor Five Dots a Day which is the ideal product to help busy tech leaders to manage their days. Five Dots a Day is a highly secure personal productivity application designed to help you manage your priorities more effectively by focusing on the five most important tasks you need to achieve each day. Our goal is to help you keep track of all of your tasks, notes, journals in one beautifully simple place, which is highly secure via end-to-end encryption. Visit the URL 5.today to sign up for free. And now let's get on to our main topic without further interruption. Let's begin today's topic by using a hypothetical example of a hospital. Suppose you are a manager of a hospital and you have the following medical specialists working in your team. A heart specialist, a brain specialist, a physiotherapist. Day after day, they each take turns coming to your office to present problems and ask for solutions. The brain specialist gives you a report of the issues faced by an injury patient and asks you what should be done next. Meanwhile, the heart specialist has a patient that is not responding to the prescribed medication so asks, what would you try next? The physiotherapist has a patient that is not getting better in spite of months of exercises and asks you, what do you think should be adjusted in their training program? Obviously, this is a ridiculous situation that would never occur in a real hospital. After all, how could one manager possibly have some deep knowledge of different parts of the human anatomy? Furthermore, the medical practitioners have their own reputations to protect not least their medical licenses and insurance, to be seen dead asking a manager for medical advice. And yet bizarrely, I've seen variations of these sorts of conversations happening in my industry, software engineering, throughout my career that spans over a few decades now. In many teams where I've worked as a manager, I have had software engineers explaining to me in detail a bug they cannot fix. I've had database administrators or DBAs telling me about complex joins that were killing the database query performance in production. I've had architects who could not draw out a whiteboard when challenged by me to do so, the architecture of the very systems they were themselves had apparently designed. But they were more than happy to try to make bottlenecks in that architecture my problem to solve. So why is the software industry different from others in this regard? Why do domain experts feel entitled to present problems without a single idea about solving them? And why do they feel that the leader in this situation is going to solve those problems for them? That is exactly going to be the topic for today's episode. Firstly, I will share with you why I think we see these patterns in our teams. And secondly, some tips to correct these negative behaviors. After all, we hire experts into our teams to own these topics and to advise us on the correct solutions for their speciality. Let's see how we can get them there, but first let's look at the root causes. In our hospital example, typically the person who is leading the organization is not an ex-doctor, which is another reason why our medical specialists do not go to that leader for technical advice. In contrast, most leaders in the software engineering organization are themselves ex-engineers and may still be very technical in their know-how. That makes them a very attractive person to present your engineering problems too, as chances are they are very experienced engineers who can offer solutions to the younger engineers. 
As tempting as that may be for both parties, it should be avoided at all costs. Firstly, the younger engineers must learn to solve their own problems and not rely on engineering leaders to solve them. Otherwise, they are not improving. Secondly, for the leaders, they want their teams to be independently solving their own technical issues to ensure the leader does not end up owning those solutions, which is in fact reverse delegation and will prevent the engineering department from scaling. Note I covered this topic in detail in episode 4 of this podcast. To go to an extreme, even when a technical leader knows a solution based on the problem being presented, they should still send the younger engineers off to solve it themselves, time permitting, as it will help those engineers become smarter and more independent. Remember as a leader, it is your role to coach the team, to make them grow, and not to solve the technical issues anymore. You must learn to step back, which I know can be difficult for ex-engineers, myself included. Unlike industries like medicine, software engineering is an immature industry, lacking in professional bodies, licensing, and specialist insurance for protection. For example, if a customer finds a bug in your software, they are not going to claim your software bug insurance policy. Furthermore, they are not going to ask to see your software engineering certifications, to see what professional bodies you are a member of, because such bodies do not exist, or indeed such insurance policies. So long story short, there's no legal frameworks in place to make a software engineer responsible for their output. If a doctor does a bad surgery, or a lawyer fails in a legal matter, they can get sued by their customers and can then be expelled from their professional bodies, preventing them from practicing again. Such professionals really own their output from a legal perspective. They must solve their own issues. In contrast, a software engineer has no such consequences, so they can more easily pass responsibility for their issues to somebody else without that legal accountability framework. Therefore, it is your job as a leader to fill that accountability gap. You must make them feel accountable to you in terms of presenting to you their solutions, not their issues. Let's look at how we can achieve this next, starting with their motivation. Sometimes when we have a big production issue affecting a customer, we place a lot of importance on finding the root cause of that issue via root cause analysis or RCA. While this is an important step, it is important to remember that this is an early step and now the hard work begins on finding the fix. In some organizations, I've seen teams celebrating the finding of a root cause and while they were busily giving each other high fives, the angry customer is still waiting on that fix. So we must set the expectation correctly. We celebrate when we deliver the fix to the customer in production and not before that. Once that milestone is achieved, then I am more than happy to rain public praise onto the heads of my teammates, especially if the turnaround between the reported issue and the fix being applied to production is short. The leader needs to train the team to hit the right target. Fixes in production are what matters. Every other step before that is simply process. Engineers need to feel good about delivering fixes. Engineers greatly value the respect of their peers, and rightly so. Peer recognition is a big part of any profession and greatly enhances the self-esteem of individuals. As a leader, naturally you are not part of that peer group. However, you do have an important role to play in facilitating those peer relationships. For example, by ensuring that there are internal forums in place 
prepares to get together and to present to one another for feedback and to celebrate successes together. If you are following the Scrum methodology, a natural forum for such feedback is the sprint reviews and retrospectives. The best thing to do is to get the engineers to present their solutions and to gain from peer feedback and more importantly, peer praise. Everybody likes to hear they've done a good job, especially from their peer group. In spite of your best efforts as a leader, sadly some engineers get stuck in that mental loop of finding and presenting problems, and they never break out of that. I have worked with engineers in the past that, when given one problem to solve, will come back in a few days and present half a dozen more problems they have found in the application. It's bizarre to me, but some genuinely think that they are doing a great job by finding all of these problems. So I tell them bluntly, if you find a problem, you own the fix. You do not get to blame someone else in your team or a predecessor and simply walk away to find the next problem. You need to fix this one first. However, in spite of clear expectations being set, sadly I've had to let engineers go from my teams that could not get past this mentally and no effort in coaching was going to solve it. You have to cut your losses sometimes. Instead, I want to focus my efforts on those teammates that get things done. The absolute superstars are those who find and fix issues without you even knowing about it. All engineers should strive to achieve that mentality. So let's next focus on how you can coach that into your team. So how do you get your best engineers to be those superstars? Ultimately for me, it comes down to getting them to care about the quality of the product they are building and feeling a sense of embarrassment when that quality does not meet their personal expectations, let alone anybody else's. A few years back, there was a movement to get software developers to think about themselves as artisans. I really loved this movement, as the aim was to get engineers to take a lot of professional pride in their work, in particular with regard to delivering high quality. Even the best engineers need help on occasion though, and they have to feel comfortable about asking for it. So when they do come to you asking for help, of course you, you need to support them. One way to do this is via the, quote, five ways, end quote, questioning technique. When you ask the engineer why in order to help them reach a logical conclusion, take for example the following problem statement, quote, the homepage has become really slow to load today, end quote. So question one, why? It's taken 30 seconds to load, yesterday took three seconds. Two, why? I checked the logs and we seem to be getting a lot more traffic today. Three, why? The traffic is coming from Hacker News. It seems that we are on the homepage right now. Four, why? We need to add more server resources. Five, why? Let me go and add more application servers to the load balancer. Smart engineers already know the solution. Sometimes they just need someone to bounce around ideas with. Your job as a leader is to facilitate that process when required, or largely stay out of the way. So let's recap what we have covered today. Firstly, we discussed why we need to set the expectation with your teams that they need to present solutions, not problems. Secondly, we covered a fictional example of a hospital full of medical specialists who instead of owning their own solutions, were instead presenting their problems to the manager of that hospital. Clearly that is a ridiculous example that would never happen in a real life hospital. But yet bizarrely, a similar situation can occur in software engineering departments when technical experts start presenting their problems to the leader to solve. 
We also discussed that software engineering lacks professional bodies, mandated professional insurance, and certifications to make those engineers legally accountable, unlike other professions like medicine or law. Note I am not advocating for such regulation. However, we must accept that in the absence of some formal frameworks, it is up to the leader to enforce that accountability internally within their department. Rather than making people accountable for issues, it is better to celebrate their solutions. Make pride around the delivery of fixes to production for customers the main goal to celebrate in your teams. Give praise as the leader and ensure that peers are also encouraged to give praise. After all, we all succeed together. In spite of your best efforts, some engineers cannot be coached out of finding and presenting problems and leaving solutions for others to find. You have to cut your losses with such characters eventually and instead focus your efforts on coaching your up-and-coming superstars. One approach you can use for coaching these star performers is the five whys technique, where you simply ask the question why five times until the engineer starts to arrive at a solution by themselves. You want to be a facilitator in these engagements, not the direct source of the solution. Smart engineers already know the answers. They just need enough time and space to arrive there. If they ask for help, facilitate that. Otherwise, stay out of the way and let them do what they do best, find the solutions. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to covering the next topic in the series with you soon. In the interim, if you want to follow me online, you can find my blog at techleader.pro or follow me on Twitter at techleaderpro. Thanks for your time, take care and have a great week.